so far. Down the back straight away. The crowd explodes, but Freddie takes the lead. Oh, baby. Dirt late on a green for the seventh time in his Hall of Fame career. The people's down the big lane. From the 47th World 100, Jonathan Davenport. Take me on country roads. Josh Richards wins. Now join Michael Rigsby from the Dirt on Dirt studio for Kaiser Manufacturing's Late Model Live. One more shot for Jimmy Owens. One more shot. The slider. They make contact. Owens oh. wins. In a tournament three, and J.D. shuts the door. Three wide off four. Are you kidding me, Ma? Oh, they bang it. Oh, my goodness sakes. Dale McDowell picks up his third Spring Nationals victory here at Dixie Speedway in 2018. He's looking at the checkered flag. Devin Gilpin picking up the win in the Johnny Appleseed Classic at Eldora Speedway. In the turn number three, on a turn number four, checkered flag in the air, Evans, Georgia's Brandon Overton, $10,000 richer. Well, there he goes. Looking to win this race for the sixth time, the first time here at Lucas Oil Speedway since the race moved here in 2010. After nine years of trying, Scott Bloomquist finally a Show Me 100 winner at Lucas Oil Speedway. The world's great racing weekend has come and gone. Monaco turn, which is often confused with Wheatland, Missouri. Indy, Charlotte, <laughs> in our little corner of the world, the Show Me 100, among other dirt events this past week on, on Memorial Day weekend, have come and gone. And I'm, I'm actually always a little bit fascinated every single year uh, when this weekend is over. I sit back and say, how the hell did it go so fast? It was just Thursday and we were all gearing up for Memorial Day weekend, and now it's Tuesday, the following Tuesday, and it's over already. And unfortunately, much like the rest of the year, part of the story this past weekend was the weather again. We were lucky in Missouri at the Show Me, but so much of the rest of the country was not. Ray Cook had five races on the books coming up this weekend, and he only got one in turn. That is, that's depressing, right? That's, one, that's not a good uh, batting average. That is average. a percentage that really sucks. We were all geared up for a big five-race weekend, and Ray and the Spring Nationals and the bonus series go one for five. I mean, come on. One for five. That's awful. Midway was wiped out. State line was canceled. Anything in the southeast was basically washed out one after another on a wet memorial. That We even had a hurricane turn. Yeah. We even, <laughs> we even got a hurricane pretty much... Everywhere but we were in South Central Missouri for the biggest event, so that is good, was rained out. This is Kaiser Manufacturing's Late Model Live for Tuesday night, May 29th. We are fresh off a Show Me 100 that was televised live on MAV-TV. A pretty good moment, a pretty neat moment for Dirt Late Model Racing. And a weekend that I I wouldn't call it epic. I'm kind of struggling for the word I wanted to use. I had about ten choices in my outline here. I wouldn't call it epic, but there were some moments that I think will break down in detail over the course of the next hour that we will remember for a long time. I mean, Scott Bloomquist had another night and another controversy in the long list of Scott Bloomquist moments that I've been a part of in my career, in my life. This pill draw fiasco and snafu and everything that happened that night on three wheels that'll all go on the Scott Bloomquist list. Oh, by, by the way, Turn, he happened to win the Show Me 100 yeah. as well, <laughs> not to bury the lead. We'll cover all of that. And Scott's victory got me thinking as he approaches his 600th career win. He got 597 this past weekend. And the fact that Billy Moyer has 800 career wins. I'll make this statement. Nobody of the current stars, J.D., Shepard, 
Richards, those young guys that we all think of, none of them will ever be able to do what Bloomquist and Moyer did. They cannot and will not be able to win that many races at that prolific of a level, period. End of story. We have a Dirt Late Model historian on later in the show, the Dirt Late Model historian on later in the show to discuss that. A quick programming note, we were supposed to be live from LaSalle this weekend for the two-day Lucas Oil Show, 25 grand win, of course. You probably heard by now that was canceled. We will not be live there, which means our next live event is sort of a big deal. Turn, throw it up there. We will be live at the Dirt Late Model Dream, June 7th, 8th, and 9th. And I am telling you right now, the dream is going to be ridiculous this year. The racing at Eldora has been really good. People are raving about it. Three full nights. The dream with our partnership with EldoraSpeedway.com, live at DirtOnDirt.com, June 7th, 8th, and 9th. With LaSalle's $25,000 win race canceled, that now means the two World of Outlaw races in Tennessee this weekend at 411 and Volunteer are about to be really good. Both places, Mitch McCarter is at the promotional helm of both tracks. We will preview those in full with Shannon Buckingham coming up. Meanwhile, Suave dropped his lock turn. Finally, he missed one. I know. Turn will tell us how wasted people got during the Show Me 100 drinking game. A few people I know had a little hangover on uh, Sunday and Monday. And a lot more coming up in the next 60 minutes. Let's get to a turn. Here we go. Five things. Number one on five things, Scott Bloomquist's career has essentially included every milestone, including five Show Me 100 titles. But all of those brushes with Gus the Cool Mule had come at West Plains until Saturday night. The Mooresburg, Tennessee Hall of Famer had a little luck break his way when Jimmy Owens, this is just weird, got into this weird, bizarre tangle with Errol Pearson. Look at that, their quarter panels lock up. Just a freak deal resulted in that spin on lap 69. Bloomquist would pretty comfortably lead the rest of the way and cashes in for 30000 in his sixth show-me title. In a story that Kevin Kovac wrote after the event, Jimmy Owens, who normally doesn't speak this brashly, flat-out said, Bloomquist got a gift. Now, he said it with a smile, but you could tell that he meant it. Meanwhile, Scott, who is always confident, said he really thinks he would have passed Owens. I think so. I mean, I think we, I think we had a, a good enough car late. I think we got away from Brian late, and... Uh, but, you know, you just never know. You just, uh, you just take them when you can get them. We will never know if we'd have gotten that Titanic 0-20 showdown for the last 30 laps. Instead, we're left wondering only if and what could have been. Number two on five things, the win for Bloomquist by some measures might be the second most interesting thing that happened to the 0 this weekend. Let's rewind to Friday afternoon. It begins with Scott's crew member, Jordan Bland, trying to game the pill draw. He took the two pill early in the day from the Lucas trailer and then tried to go back later and pass it off as if he had drawn it. The Lucas officials, uh uh-uh, they were all over it. They made the connection, and Scott was penalized, not allowed to qualify that night. So there's chapter one on Friday. Look at this. Now, this is this is chapter two. Somehow, someway, on three wheels, this happened. I don't believe what I'm saying. Wait, right he's now, in the he's lead. The lead. He he's got the lead. the lead. Bloomquist takes the lead. <laughs> oh, Richards, my. Bam. History in the making here. Unbel- oh, we got to spin a turn two. Peyton, look out. And the caution is out. Comes back to the outside. Shannon Babb out of turn number two. Hard on the left. Pedal down the back straightaway. This is it. Turns three and four. Richards goes to the outside. He'll shut the door on Babb. On three wheels, Scott Bluequist wins the B main and transfers to tonight's tribute to Todd and Billy Gibson. I've never seen anything like it. 
on three friggin' wheels. He not only rallied to the B main, but came back to win it. Even the most hardcore Bloomquist haters could be heard cheering him loudly on the Wheatland front stretch. Even a guy like me who's basically seen everything, this was pretty cool. Now, Act 3 that night was the feature. He started 20th because of the B main thing, and he grinded his way all the way through the field to third. We caught up with him in the tech barn afterwards on what was another interesting night for the pill draw and everything else in the long career of Scott Bloomquist. I guess I, I guess I'd say no. I've never uh, <laughs> never run with the tire folded in like that on the left front, and uh, and still run that good. Well, what happened is uh, he elected to uh, mess with the pill draw, I guess, and uh, you know that's not something we that's even necessary. You know we we're running too good to even even think that. Inevitably, you know, it falls on me, and we just we just had to take it in stride, do our best, and. Uh, I guarantee it won't happen again. It's foolish to try to get a specific number anyway. I mean, you know, really, you can't predict what this racetrack's going to be like. And, you know, it could have been greasy like it was tonight. You know, who wants to go out early when it's all greasy? So two would have sucked anyway. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying. So, yeah, I mean, it just to even try to play that, you know, we don't, we just don't need to. So it, it was just foolish. Berkey, last lap pass, Bill Fry at the Dream, topless where he thought he won, and now Pildrawgate in three wheels at Wheatland. The overall Bloomquist book now has another chapter. Number three, as we always do on Crown Jewel Weekends, we clean it up with a grab bag. This one, the Show Me Edition. Let's start with the quality of racing. Saturday night was by no means an all-timer, but pound for pound for three days, some say it might be the best they've ever seen racing-wise at Wheatland. The track has come a long way in 10 years, and a tip of the hat to them for continuing to work to get it just right. There was two and three wide racing a lot this weekend, and that's pretty much all we can ask for. Other notes had to feel for Oregon's Justin Duty. Look at this. One of the best kids and families in the pit area on the pole Friday night for the feature. Eek. Had a forgettable turn one right there. He spins out in front of the field, but he was pretty candid with me afterwards when he said, Rigsby, I just flat out screwed up. Remember, Duty moved to North Carolina this year to live and work with Joey Coulter. There will be better days, Justin. Remember, it was an accomplishment for you to get on the pole. Don't sweat it, my man. Mike Marler's three finishes this weekend, fourth, sixth, and third. Obviously, that's good, but it's even better considering he started the weekend by ripping the rear deck out. See, look at Dirt on Dirt banner in the background turn. Qualifying in Thursday night, that's a drastic turnaround to get back and finish in the top five basically every single night for the World of Outlaws regular moves of the weekend. How about Owens and Pierce in this heat race exchange? Owens crosses him up. Pierce gets him at the line by 0.042 seconds. Thursday, this was more of a near move than an actual move, but Austin Reddick very nearly drove around Jonathan Davenport at the end of the heat race, but a little bit of contact right here negated that. Reddick has had some nice moments here in his late model career the last year. Topless 100 comes to mind last year. Maybe this is a harbinger of things to come. Also, the neatest optic of the weekend. Look at this group running together in the Friday feature. Now, it looks like Mason Ziegler is going to get out away from him, but there are five cars together right here. Owen, Ziegler, Pierce, Shirley, Davenport, Derek Kessinger. Great shot. Turn. Look at this. There are five cars battling for the lead right there. That was just the coolest racing moment of the weekend. Meanwhile, someone earlier in the year told me Brian Shirley was, quote, just a nice regional racer. To that, Squirrel says, how you like me this weekend? Fifth on Thursday, second on Friday, and then another second and a runner-up at the Show Me 100 on Saturday. I'm not sure he expected it to be that good, but mentally and financially, that is a damn solid Show Me 100 for the 3S. Yeah, this weekend and uh, here in Wheatland, there was uh, 
definitely somebody looking out for me or looking over my head because uh, we was uh, pretty lucky to get dialed in there on that first feature there on Thursday and then uh, just lucky to keep backing it up with the car, you know, it was pretty good all weekend. So pretty fortunate to, you know, to have Bob and Lisa Cullen, Thomas and Express, Kids Castle, KBC Graphics. Um, you know, our Durham engine ran great tonight. I, I hate to leave anybody out, you know, uh, Midwest Sheet Metal. Chris obviously does a real big part here. Um, Ted Brown. Everybody that helps me, you know, I can't thank them enough. So all in all, just happy to uh, come out of Wheeling with three top fives. It's pretty good. Overall, just a solid weekend in Missouri. Another Shelby 100 in the books. Number four, as I said in the open, Ray Cook was set for a big weekend. Five races in all for his tours. And in that so 2018 fashion, he only got one of the five in. I did think with that bad luck that Ray and Dixie Speedway and the Swims family deserve a spot in our five things. McDowell broke Tyler Millwood's heart right here when he slipped around him with 15 laps left at Dixie and he marched on to the $5,000 win. And remember, like I said, the Swims family, they could have easily canceled this with all the rain and wet weather, but they didn't. They stuck it out. Kudos to them. McDowell comes to his old stomping grounds of Dixie and gets the victory. I've uh, always liked coming down here. I come down here for years and years and, and really struggled, uh, you know, growing up on the East Tennessee tracks. So that was Tennessee and Cleveland and uh, Boyds and those places. And so once I was able to come down here and, and figure out maybe what I was doing wrong, it's been a lot of fun. I've had a lot of success here. Um, been doing it a long time, but it's always it's always challenging. You never know, you know. And uh, and those guys just keep making it tougher and tougher. So hats off. Everybody didn't watch the the rain percentage at 90 percent and 80 percent and all that stuff so thank you race fans for coming out and supporting us <laughs> got got some fans there don't i uh <laughs> thank you for supporting us buddy thank you you heard mcdowell saying to that fan thanks for the support he was saying it in jest the fan was yelling you're a cherry picker through the fence at him as sarah mcdowell said on twitter afterwards when that guy yelling starts paying the bills he can make the decision on one of the best ever to do it dale mcdowell win and where he races finally number five i guess brandon overton might have made the right decision skipping the spring nationals races where he only got one of them in as i said and going to doherty speedway in indiana where he was quite honestly a shocking entry to me personally for the two-day show and of course, what's he do? He wins ten grand on Sunday night. He outran Tanner English and had to hold off a frisky Kent Robinson during the final few laps. The 116 ended up leading all 50, getting the jump from the get-go. Yeah, uh, I kind of figured it was going to be a little right there around the bottom, so uh, I just wanted to go ahead and get out front and try to just set a pace. You know, uh, right there at the end, I guess that was K-Rob coming. You know, I was just kind of in protective mode, and uh, my crew guy there, woman that race, Josh, he, he was telling me where to go, and uh I say that's what it takes. It's a whole team effort. We've had some terrible luck. You know, it feels good to finally win one, and uh, maybe this will turn us around and get us off on the right foot. Remember, this is Overton's first win since East Bay back on February 7th after that monster season last year. You'd think that the law of averages might start panning out turn, and the Evans-Georgia driver will start to click off a few more. Also, one other note, this was pretty interesting. Chad Stapleton got fourth in this race. Turn, he wasn't even there on Saturday night for the heat races. You don't see that often. He showed up, tagged the tail of the feature, rallied to fourth. Pretty interesting event all the way around in Dory, to say the least. That was five things. I've got some more. Turn, how about this red shirt, by the way? I know. Well, I'm defying the laws of television with this red shirt tonight. <laughs> it is, I feel like I'm glowing like the surface of the sun. This is, this is a little brighter up here, the dirt on dirt. But I, I, I don't know. I feel good in it. Yeah, Do I look go. good? 
Yeah, I mean, uh, you don't look sunburnt from this weekend, I, I, and it, it was hot. It was it was a miserably hot Memorial Day weekend <laughs> here in Illinois. At least it wasn't raining at the show me. But back on track. I know I look sexy, okay? Back on track here. Some more Memorial Day weekend winners I wanted to mention. Benji Hicks, ultimate winner at 311 on Friday night. It was cool there because that was the Bill Hicks Memorial in honor of his grandfather. So that was cool to see. I'm sure Benji was thrilled to win that race. Brandon Thurlby and Eric Spangler won the two ethanol races in Michigan this weekend. Congrats to both those guys. But the headline, I would guess, for my 96 was that Rusty Schlank Rich Bell incident. Turn, cue that video up. We don't have the whole race. This courtesy of Racing on Dirt. Rich Bell throws it hard into turn two. Rusty and him, I'll let the racing gods decide. I'm not, I'm not getting to the middle of that. Unfortunately, Rusty right here ends up on his lid. That was unfortunate. Uh, like I said, credit to Rod and Racing on Dirt with this. As you can imagine, turn, there ended up being a, uh, a disagreement yeah. on the front stretch about what happened. Uh, I will let uh, the folks at home decide that. John Owenby also picked up his first ever Southern All-Stars win. John's been pretty sneaky good the last couple years at North Alabama. Uh, he got by Riley Hickman late. And a quick video package we've got here. Highlights we had on the site this weekend. Look how red that clay is. Chris Ferguson wins Sunday at Cherokee. He pulled away from Joey Coulter right there on a late restart to get the victory. Victory in South Kakalaki. Devin Gilpin got the Johnny Appleseed Classic at Eldora when Gilpin is very quietly, by the way, having a nice season. And Rick Eckert said, you know what? There's no World of Outlaw races. Who cares? No problem. He sweeps the Bob Weikert Memorial at Port Royal. He won 8000 bucks this weekend. I would guess that would put him fourth or fifth on Memorial Day weekend earnings behind Show Me First, Second, Third, and maybe Overton. Uh, so Eckert had a nice, nice weekend as well. Overall, congrats to all of the Memorial Day weekend winners around America. Turn, I mentioned it in the open, a sub-note of Scott Bloomquist's weekend after Saturday night. He now has 597 career victories, and there's an outside chance, how cool would this be, if he races Bulls Gap this weekend especially, that he could get 600, his 600th overall win at the Dream. Remember, there are three races at Eldora, so even if he doesn't win, he could sweep and win there. It got me thinking, him, him closing in on 600, Billy Moyer getting 800 last year. I'm not sure we truly appreciate what we're witnessing. I also think I feel, I feel pretty firmly about this. No one will ever do this again. But I need a little historical perspective on all of it, and that's what we are paying attention to tonight. Late model folks have argued long and hard about who is the greatest dirt late model driver of all time, Scott Bloomquist or Billy Moyer. I think in recent years, perhaps Scott has distanced himself from the 21 a little bit, but most people who spend their lives covering the sport recognize pretty easily, I won't listen to anything else, that these are the two best. They are also historically incredible from their win totals. Billy, 800. Scott's going to have 600. And as Todd Turner and I often say, You'll just never see this again. I truly don't believe I'm wrong when I say 20 years from now, we won't be talking about guys with 600 victories. Joining me now on the Integra Shocks and Springs Hotline to discuss just that is probably the greatest dirt late model historian of all time. When Todd Turner says that it must be true, Bob Marcos, who joins, joins us now and helps us a bunch here at Dirt on Dirt. Bob, I want to start with this. Let's look at Billy and Scott first in particular. How did we arrive at this point, Bob? 600 and 800, with those two in particular, how did we get here to these prolific numbers? Well, it's pretty remarkable, isn't it, Mike? <laughs> it is. I just think of that. But, but, uh, well, you gotta, you got to look at, you know, both of them got their starts in a much different era from today. You know, um, uh, Billy in the late 70s there in Iowa, where if you wanted to, you could probably run every night of the darn week if you want. And uh, 
So that gave him the opportunity with, the, you know, the right amount of talent, which he had, and decent equipment, to start, uh, you know, racking up uh, feature wins, you know. And, and, and interesting, though, uh, Scott took a different path, you know, coming out of California a few years later, and uh, where you were lucky to find, you know, 30, 30 shows there, you know, to put on your schedule. But, uh, but with his determination in that to be a great racer, uh, he, he moved to Tennessee, which was, you know, dirtly model country, so he could participate much more, you know. And then, uh, but in the, in the 80s, both of them, you know, basically got the travel bug, and, and not like today's standard, they they just might might just about pop up anywhere, you know, and uh, you know to compete, and um, you know we called it barnstorming back in the day, <laughs> you know, and, and you just you just don't see that very much anymore, you know. I and, uh, naturally there were more races, you know, and more venues at that time to choose from versus today, you know. So that's that's what you know, really got those guys rolling. I have, I have said unequivocally, I don't think we'll see it again. I just don't think the sport is set up, like you mentioned, and you're kind of supporting my claim, Bob. I don't think the sport is set up like it used to used to be. I don't think you, can, you can't barnstorm like you used to. Am I wrong about that? And if I'm wrong, why am I wrong? And if I'm right, why am I right? Am I right in saying we will never see this again after these two? No, you're pretty much correct on that, Mike. I mean, them days are, are pretty much gone. You know, with uh, uh, most guys following the organization schedules and the, and the stringent rules and the regulations that they have on the cars and that, it's pretty much taken the, the, the innovativeness, I guess you could say, that we saw years ago out of the equation. You know, so I just don't see it, you know. Uh, the cars now are just so darn equal, and very seldom can just one guy find that that little edge needed, you know, to start racking those big totals up. You know, I I hate to make the comparison, but if you look at it really, um, like NASCAR with Richard Petty and his 200 wins, you know, that that's never going to be equalized because for the point that. You know, NASCAR will tell you left and right that all these guys are great racers and this, that, and everything else. But they're, they're, I can't see any of them even, you know, getting half of the wins that Richard Petty had or whatever, you know. I, I, you know, I, I think down the road, though, um, success will be measured pretty much by not the amount of wins you have, but, but by the money one, yeah. you know. If you look at it, I, I remember Jerry Inman, you know, Jerry Inman back, like we were talking barnstorming back in the 70s, he was knocking down like 50 wins a year, <laughs> yeah. you know. And and he'll tell you himself that when he joined up, like, with the NDRA and that, his win totals went way down, but, but he made much more money, you know. So I, I think down the road, you know, like, you know, you and me, you know, we're in the stats or whatever, That's that's fine, that's understandable, but... I think everything's going to be based on, you know, so-and-so won so many million dollars versus, you know, they won so many hundreds of events. If, if I just think it's going to change. I think you're right about that. But it, let's, just, let's be hypothetical here for a second. We can, we can think about things outside the box a little bit. If we did see it, let's maybe not say 600 or 800, even a 500. If we did see it, who's most likely? 
I think you, you pigeonhole yourself a little bit with who's young, who's won a bunch already, Bobby Pierce, Josh Richards. Is it just as simple as those two, maybe Brandon Shepard? If it was going to happen, Bob, who's the guy to do it? Well, it, it's, you know, as we've talked, you know, it's just such a different era, you know, with those. And, and don't get me wrong, those guys are just exceptionally talented young men, all of them that you mentioned, and, and there's more. You know, and and if those guys would have got started back in the days of Scott or or uh, Billy or even Freddie Smith or somebody like that, their numbers would be astronomical, I'm sure. Also, but but just what we said, I, I and it's it's definitely not because of a lack of talent. It's just such a completely different animal nowadays, you know. And and uh, and then also guys like that nowadays, you got to think that. They may end up with the Jeff Purvis syndrome or right. something, you know. Yep. They may decide that, uh, you know, hey, you know, something better here or whatever, move on to bigger and better things. Because I think Jeff Purvis could probably, if he would have stayed with Durley models, he would have rivaled Billy himself, you know. I always but, say uh, Jeff Jeff Purvis is Bo Jackson. I'm a, I'm a great you know, fan of sport. To me, Jeff Purvis is Bo Jackson. That's the comparison. Flashes oh, of unbelievable brilliance, but we'll never really know because he didn't stick it out. I always... I was kind of, but is that a hard no for you then, Bob? It's a no. Nobody ever do five six hundred again. I, I would say I, I really can't. I can't say anybody would do yeah. it. But again, you know, if it was possible, you you put some great names out there. There's no doubt. They're just exceptional racers. You, you mentioned the competition. Last couple things. It, do you feel the competition is tougher now, or the cars? More, you said the cars are more equal, but you're a guy that watched Inman and Simmons and Freddie and just the Duvall and these legendary names. Competition better now or competition better then? Because I think both eras lay claim to being better when you talk to each individual person. Well, of course, you know, but not necessarily so. I mean, no doubt about it. There's, you know, there's just plenty of talent around right now, especially with the young ones popping up so quickly, you know. But uh, not necessarily so. But you know, back in the day, you had the NDRA and the Stars and the All Star Circuit Champions, the Southern All Stars, all them groups, you know, similar to you know with the Word of Outlaws and Lucas nowadays. But they all had great lineups too, you know, and and and, and tons of Hall of Famers, you know. So there was, and at that time, there was also, you know, plenty of great independent racers around, you know, both locally and regionally. So, you know, it's just there were there were more tracks and more opportunities to make a name for yourself back in that day versus today. But, you know, I'm sure there's one thing that we can all agree on. It's a great sport. And there'll always be a great degree of talent involved in it, you know, and, that, and that's years ago, and that's right now, and that's, you know, down the road tomorrow, you know. Last thing, off topic a little bit, I know you were always sitting on a treasure trove of information. Every once in a while, Todd Turner will message me and say, oh, this is really cool what Bob's working on, or Andy will message me. Give us something else that you've been working on or hashing out lately that fans might find interesting as it pertains to sort of the historical stuff with Dirt Late Model Racing. Well, real quick, I'm still involved with the National Dirty Model Hall of Fame. Of course. And, and uh, I'm, I'm their induction director. I'm very proud of that. I love getting those, delivering those guys there and, and uh, getting their last big, uh, how do you call it, day in the spotlight or whatever. So that's, that's just the neatest thing. But, and, and recently, uh, my son uh, Bobby is a, a, a kind of an understudy in the history of the sport, and I'm so glad of that. And him and myself, we've been... Uh, putting together and producing DVD documentaries of racing from the past, and uh, uh, 
Uh, matter of fact, our latest one we just got out here, and it's entitled uh, Along the Santa Fe Trail, uh, Speedway Trail, and it's basically a history of the uh, the old Santa Fe Speedway near Chicago that I'm sure many people have remember and heard of. And, you know, from, from their very beginning to their demise, and uh, basically with the emphasis on their National Clay Track Championship, their big race. 200 Lapper. Yeah, the 200 Lapper. Yeah, yeah. that was that was a sweet one, and and uh, we we nailed the whole history of that. It, it's loaded with plenty of film footage and interviews and just the whole work. So so that's we've been doing that type of stuff, and we'll be doing some more of those in the future. And it, it's just you know anything we can do to help preserve the history of the sport. And I think young people nowadays should just really know about what what it used to be like a long time ago versus what they're seeing now. So. Yeah. He is the greatest historian we've got. Bob Marcos dropping knowledge on you. Bob, thanks so much for your time. I'd like to have you again on the future if you're okay with that. You did such a good job. I'd like to talk to you again about more historical stuff if you're up for it in the future, bud. Oh, absolutely, buddy. I'd be tickled to death. It sounds like you guys got a great show here. Yeah. And, and Dirt on Dirt such a, a great deal for the fans nowadays. So I, I think it's just wonderful. So any old time of the day, buddy. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Bob. Have a good night, okay? You too, Mike. Thank you. And I could listen to Bob talk about just, uh, I mean, Santa Fe, man. That was my old, I want to say stomping grounds. We went to Santa Fe a lot. Twitterverse, what do you think? Can it be done again? Will someone scratch these historic win totals on the wheels of wheels, wheels and wheels and heels of, of Scott Bloomquist and Billy Moyer near the 600? Which driver, if any, can reach this feed again? Hashtag Late Model Live at Dirt on Dirt. We'll find out after the break. You're watching Kaiser Manufacturing's Late Model Live. up there is just uh, is a great person to talk to. They're always real easy. Uh, you need something to get it right out. And uh, I just my program wouldn't be nearly where it's at without support like FK Rod ends. Everything on our cars, you know, the best in the business, and they're on there for a reason. And we just have such you know good relationships with Maria and them there, and and their products, you know, the best in the business, and that's why we run them. Richards in a backup car comes from the tail to win the night at Golden Isles. I have no idea, but it looks like Shepard won. Shepard on the transponder won the race. Superman does it. Jonathan Davenport wins at East Bay. He's holding on for dear life, and he's going to get the win here tonight. Bronson by Heather Carling. Are you kidding me, Wentz? The voodoo child goes to victory lane. Shepard will lead his flock to the promised land. He'll win at Volusia.
Mark Martin Automotive has franchised for Ford, Kia, Chevy, GMC, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, and Ram. We cover heavy-duty hauling or vehicles for the driving enthusiast. At any Mark Martin location, you'll find a large selection, variety, and great prices. MarkMartinAutomotive.com gives you 24-hour access to every location. Browse inventory, apply for credit, and schedule your delivery. We can arrange for delivery anywhere in the U.S. or pick you up at an airport. Give us a chance to earn your business, and you'll see why everyone wins at Mark Martin. So a perfect start at the line. They were wheel to wheel, sliding right up in McCarter's way was McIntosh. Everybody had to get on the binders. Now they straighten it out. Jen Ogle goes to second. He'll open it up to three. McIntosh cruises into turn number three. Out of four he comes. First ever Southern Nationals win goes to Donald McIntosh. Those highlights from the Southern Nationals race at 411. And I'm telling you, if 411 is right this weekend, people are going to dig it. Tim McCready said to me when I was walking away from him at Wheatland on Saturday night, I said, are you going to volunteer in 411? He said, no, we're not racing. He said, man, that 411 looks cool. He's like, we may think about that. So 411 and volunteer this weekend going to be very cool. Turn, I need to know, is Twitter arguing with me or not? Are they agreeing with me about the prolific win totals of Moyer and Bloomquist? What is Twitter saying? Twitter's never wrong. Sometimes. Yeah, ne- never, never Matthew wrong. Edler, in the past, Ed Dixon could have before the fallout of his career, but I can see Shepard or Pierce getting over 500. 600 is a long shot. More racing in a year, but competition is harder in this age of dirt racing. I agree. That's the common theme. Competition's too hard. Now, I think 500 is a magic number. Six or eight, I see out of touch. I'm with this guy, 500. Turn, what's next? Tim. Oh, Tim. Tim. <laughs> Just Tim. Nobody, uh, nobody that will that runs on a national tour or semi-travels to higher-paying events. So I think... I think what Tim is getting at here is... Uh, what that, is Tim getting at yeah, here, Terry? I had to explain it to you earlier, I think. I think, anyway. Is he saying that the competition is so tough on the national tours right now that it's it's hard to really just total up those wins? I mean, you would have to have yes. Jonathan Davenport 2015 seasons every year right, right. to hit that total. So I think that's kind of what he's getting at there. Say a guy won 30 races the next 10 years, that's only 300. I think Jonathan's sitting around 100 wins. He's still at only 40 wins. Right. And that'd be winning 30 races a year, which we know that's going to happen. All of a sudden now his career's 20 years out. He's in his you know, 40, 50s or whatever. It's just it's very difficult. We have another one, don't we? we have yeah, a we have a couple more. Uh, J- is this J-Lo? The J-Lo. The J-Lo. The J-Lo. <laughs> I'd say Richard's could have a real shot at it. B. Shep and Bobby Pierce. Again, the, the common theme, Richards, Shepard, Pierce. That one's yeah. from at G-Lo or J-Lo. It has to be guys like Bobby Pierce won 10, 15 races a year for, since before he's 20. Josh Richards, same way. And then turn, take me through the, oh no, Adam Martz, I'll do this one. Definitely Josh Richards. We think of his, him as a veteran, but Josh has a lot more years racing ahead of him. Yeah, Josh could have literally 30 more years times 10. That's 300. That still puts him short, though, turn. That's yeah. the point. So, and now you take us through this final one with this, this chain between okay, Morrison so this, and Snyder. So this chain here, late models might not be around for someone else to reach 600, 700, 800 wins. So, I mean, I I would agree with that. I And, and this uh, Jack Snyder says, where are they going? <laughs> I do love and that. That's a, that's a good point. Uh, Steve Morrison then responds, open motor ones will be extinct from high costs. Only a handful will be around by then. Uh, I mean, maybe. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, it, it is one take yeah. on this. Yes. I'm not saying I agree with it at all, but do we know? In 1980, we could pretty comfortably say we thought late model racing would be here in 2020 years from now. I think it will be, but this this is a, a window into that topic a little yeah, bit. I it goes think. back so, to that uh, that cost uh, right. conversation we always have on here. So we've had a hundred times. Yes. Interesting to say the least. I don't think it'll ever happen. Maybe five hundred. The rest, I don't think so. I had subscribers stop me in the pits on Saturday night at Wheatland Turn and say, "You know what? 
People tell you all the time that they hate the top 25. I just wanted to tell you that I love the top 25. <laughs> That's why I wore this red shirt. It's, it's a resembling of the heart and that my blood flows for the top 25. That makes me happy, turd. Someone paying us a compliment rather than telling me how much the top 25 sucks. I also chatted with this gentleman, and he and I both agree this will be our best race ever for number one in the top 25 on the website. Bloomquist, Davenport, Madden, Shepard, maybe somebody else could all occupy the top spot once or twice again before this season is over. How does it shake down post Show Me 100? I personally had Scott Bloomquist number one this week. I thought he did enough at Wheatland to warrant it. The voters did not agree totally. Davenport uh, back on top, or excuse me, stays on top with five wins. Bloomquist shoots up past Madden. Madden falls down a spot. And Dale McDowell all the way up to number four. I mean, listen, Shepard struggled in the family equipment this weekend, but man, McDowell, the fourth best driver in the country, he will be a popular pick at the Dream as well. Jimmy Owens and Bobby Pierce both vault inside the top seven as they are tied 11 through 20. Uh, a decent amount of a uh, little bit of movement here. We've got Brian Shirley, of course, climbing all the way to 19th after three great runs at Wheatland. Brandon Overton getting back on track a little bit with a win at Doherty. He's up to the 14th spot as well. Simpson, Babb, Eckerd, O'Neill, Shirley, and Moyer round out the top 20. 21 through 25 turn newcomers. Yeah, Chad Simpson reemerges. Yes, Chad Simpson back inside the top 25. Ran Scott Bloomquist hard Thursday at Wheatland. Don O'Neill. Boy, it's tough to see Don O'Neill struggling this year. 21st right now in the top 25. Daryl Lanigan unranked both those Boyer cars, scuffling right now, to say the least. But there's a lot of racing left this year, so let's not write them off just yet. This is a good weekend, by the way, to be Mitch McCarter. The promoter at both 411 and Volunteer, Volunteer Speedway, if I can get that out, is hosting the only national touring events in the country with the LaSalle cancellation, a pair of 10,000-to-win shows Friday at the very cool 411 first, and then the venerable Volunteer Speedway on Saturday night. Both of them World of Outlaws sanctioned as the Woo Boys, as Kevin Kovac used to say, bring that super fun points chase to town with Madden and Marler and Shepard. And you'd have to think with Lucas off, they're going to pull a few more cars from Lucas as well. Bloomquist and Jimmy Owens possibly going to be a fun weekend in East Tennessee. Let's preview it now. Joining me on the Integra Shocks and Springs Hotline is a guy fresh off a solid Show Me 100 weekend and revved up to have the Outlaws in his backyard, Shannon Buckingham. Shannon, first on the Show Me, you sort of decided on a whim to go. You look at the weather and think, we're not going to stay around and run the Spring Nationals. You make two of the races. You get a top 10 the first night. You made the Show Me. You finished 14th. Then you made the nine-hour overnight journey to Eldora where you ran top five. Just evaluate that busy Memorial Day weekend for me, Shannon. Well, first of all, it was just a lot of fun. You know, we didn't want to sit home and uh, and get rained out again. The weather was looking pretty grim here, so we, you know, we wanted to get out and race. And it it, it was definitely a worthwhile trip. Um, you know, the show me was that's a super facility. You know, just being a part of that event. You know, that's just a really really fun weekend. But uh, I, I'm pretty happy. You know, we uh, like I said, we made the show on Thursday and put ourselves in the position to make it on on friday and then uh, made the big show um would have would have liked to finish maybe a little bit better i got up to eighth at one point and then the last two three restarts didn't go my way but uh yeah all in all a good weekend you know rolled to eldora and uh, didn't qualify all that good but won a heat race and then you know fell off a little bit for the feature but you know it was a good weekend of learning and a good weekend of taking notes I have been eyeing this two-day World of Outlaws weekend for a while. Two tracks I really like. Mitch McCarter has done a good job at both places, from where I sit at least. Give me the scouting report on each. What can people expect at both places? First, 411, and then volunteer. 
Um, you know, it's going to be exciting. I, I'm curious to see how uh, how 411 races, you know, with the top-notch drivers in town. Um, you know, we've been there a handful of times, you know, in the last couple of years, and it's, it can be really fast. It can be really slick. Um, it's tight to pass, but, you know, it, it does uh, the the track being a little different and, you know, a little um, different shape than most, you know, it, it provides the opportunity. So I'm I'm curious a little myself, um, you know, one and two is pretty tight and you got to shut it down. There's definitely no uh, uh, running wide open through there. I talked to Tyler Erb last weekend. I said, you you will not be flat-footing this weekend. <laughs> and, man, but, uh, so uh, I'm excited to see myself, but I, I think it'll be two really good nights of racing. You know, of course, uh, Bulls Gap, uh, everybody knows what to expect there. I'm sure it'll be uh, – I'm sure Mitch will have it on point. It'll be wide open, be really fast. So uh, um, I'm excited for the weekend. I really, I hope this rain holds off and, and we get it in. I know that's kind of where I'm looking too. From where we sit, uh, it, of course, there's a hurricane in May, which uh, is <laughs> we don't often have. But I always refer to pockets, Shannon, pockets of super late model racing in the U.S. that just stand the test of time. Central Illinois, where I live, is certainly one. Western Pennsylvania is another, and forever that East Tennessee group of course, you know, buoyed by Scott Bloomquist and Jimmy Owens. That's another one. I think it's important for these pockets in these areas to stay relevant and important. I think Mitch and, of course, Gary Hall at Taswell and everybody else, I think they're trying to do that. But from where you sit in, in your area of East Tennessee, how important is that to you, that a guy from there, that East Tennessee stays on top as a dirt late model area and, and part of the country? That's got to be important to you, I'd think. Oh, absolutely, and I think I think Mitch is uh, doing his part, you know, to get us back there. You know, Bulls Gap had uh, seen a few years where they didn't run as many races, and you know, and now he's running a lot of races and doing a lot of big shows, and you know, and I help that. I think that helps keep us, uh, you know, our area and our guys relevant. You know, when when the big shows come to town, you know, we uh, it gives us a chance to shine. You know, with uh, being right here with Scott and Jimmy, you know, if we can run with those guys, then it definitely turns some heads. So I, I think you know we got a pretty good little circle here i wish they all work together just a little bit better but between uh smoky mountain and, and bulls gap and tazel and 411 it's uh you know we definitely got our own little racing world going on after traveling 1500 miles last weekend how nice will two home games in essence be this weekend oh it'll be super nice you know it makes everything a, a little easier especially on jc you know he he took the brunt of the driving task and you know he, he'd had a lot of red eyes and drink a lot of coffee he's not even a coffee drinker so it's it, you know it's it's hard running up and down the road and, and having deadlines like that but it's also fun to get out you know when you've been stuck stuck in more than we wanted to this season it was really refreshing just to get out and stretch your legs and you know go race a little bit you just raced with the lucas guys this weekend obviously that show me field's a crown jewel too so it's amped up a little bit but take a look at this outlaws bunch i mentioned this madden marler shepherd clanton points chase they've got going on handicap this group a little bit what do you see when you look at the world of outlaws and who you'll be competing against this weekend oh man there's you know there's several of those guys that can that can step up and shine so uh you know, you do. I think it'll it'll boil down to track conditions. You know, if it's uh, if this rain keeps going and we get the shows in and it's it's wide open, you know, then the the Tyler Herbs and the Shane Clantons and the guys <laughs> that are that are good on the gas will be will be really good. But you know, if it blows off slick, um, obviously Madden will probably be good either way. But you know, he'll definitely be my my pick if it if it flicks off. So you know, there's a there's a a lot can happen this weekend. You know, depending on the weather and and, and track prep. I got a career question for you. You know, back around the dawn of DirtOnDirt.com, you sort of burst onto the scene about that time 11 years ago. There was at one point you had started on the pole for two or three major Eldora events in a row. It was like dream, world, dream, world, dream, whatever it was. 
Uh, and then you backed away from the sport and, and almost essentially not racing at all. And now you've climbed back into the sport. Take me through that process. Why go away? Why come back? What all happened there, Shannon? Well, you know, at, at the point when I was when I was doing good and, and at the time you're talking about, um, that, that was my total focus in life. You know, I, I was, uh, I really wanted to, to make it to the top, you know, every, every minute I had was focused on, on racing and getting better and, and doing good. And, but I had two young sons and, uh, I was living in one of my dad's, uh, 900 square foot duplexes. And, and we were just, you know, we eventually got to the point where I felt like I needed to get my life together. You know, I needed to get the, my priorities in line. Um, my, I thought I could race until my son got into high school and then I would have to focus on their sports. But I started to realize that if I didn't focus on their sports when they were young, they, they wouldn't play in high school. So um, I started to back away slowly. And then I realized that, you know, sat and talked to my dad and, and he made me a, a couple offers where, you know, if I wanted to sell out, I could use some of my racing money. Um, that was really mostly his and, uh, and, and put that towards building me a house. So I, I just quit. I just shut down. Um, and, and completely quit. I went to from racing to being a t-ball coach, and uh, you know I I saved my money and uh, I built me a house and and tried to just get my life together and uh, you know get my priorities in line. And it's hard to do. You can't race a little bit, at least not with the competitive nature I have. It's either all in or all out. So I got away for a while and uh, got my priorities straight. And both my boys have been successful. I mean they they play every sport or they did. You know they're starting to pick one or two now, but. Um, they finally got to the point where I can't, they're above me now. I can't coach them anymore. <laughs> you know, they're past my level. Uh, so, um, and, and it's just worked out, you know, where I, I, I met Roger Sellers at Tennessee RV and, uh, you know, and he had asked me some of the same questions you're asking me now, you know, why'd you quit? And I told him and he said, well, you know, if you had the opportunity, would you go back? You know? And I said, well, do the right opportunity. Absolutely. You know, I said, uh, but you know, I've sold most of my stuff and, you know, of course, you know, sponsors, you know, they're sponsoring other people now and, and so, you know, you have, feel like you have some missed opportunities, but, you know, he just made me the offer to, you know, if, if you felt like you had the time, would you want to do it again? And, you know, and I really felt like I, I left that book, uh, still open. You know, there were pages unturned. I, I feel like I, I had more in me. So it was just a super opportunity to go back, you know, and maybe, maybe give it another chance to win a, a couple of those crown jewels and maybe accomplish some things that I felt like I always could. And, uh, so I'll forever be grateful, you know, even if, uh, even if tomorrow he calls and says, hey, uh, this deal's coming to an end, it, it's, it's been a really fun ride to come back and, and do it again. And, you know, hopefully we've still got several seasons left in us to, you know, to accomplish those things. Some people may not know this. This is my final question. But you and your father, Tom, of course, it's been in this game a long time, are basically champion bass fishers. Not like a hobby, but like legit winning professional tournament bass fishers. I know enough about bass tournaments to know that cheating – in that sport can be as prevalent as it is as cheating in dirt late model racing. I want your best bass fishing cheating story. Give me the best story where you're like, oh, man, this guy pulled this one time. We're on the heels of pill draw gate. What do you got in bass fishing gate, uh, Shannon? Oh, my goodness. I could, I could talk for the rest of the show on that. <laughs> I mean, from guys putting them in, in 55-gallon drums to having uh, uh, baskets to fishing a uh, um, I, you know, our lakes fluctuate around here. This is probably one that will be unique, but they fluctuate uh, quite a bit. You know, TBA drops and lowers the, the lakes, and, and that's how they generate the power. Um, but it makes ponds, and uh, these guys will load ponds up. They'll put, they'll lay tarps and mats so that they can stock a little pond that they can barely reach and run their boat up on the bank and throw across and, 
and drag the fish in. I, I mean, I've seen every every possible <laughs> scenario. It's uh, I think it's just the competitive nature. When when there's money and trophies and glory on the line, people will they will do anything, you know. And I I don't know I, I don't know where you cross the line there, but I, we try to stay on the we try to stay on the right side of the line. I'm not I'm not going to throw any stones, especially after this weekend. But um, fishing is a little worse. I mean, you're you're kind of taking away uh you're taking money right out of the guy's hands when you do that so you know it's a it's a little more frowned upon in the fishing world i think than it is the racing world but yeah there's it's it's exactly the same just like you said those guys they'll do anything to, to gain an advantage man from what i'm hearing here turn suddenly the i mean the pill draw thing is bad but i mean these guys are like creating ponds <laughs> this is like they're moving they're making science shannon i mean that that sounds worse than trading oh, yeah. a tire to me i don't know if that's right or not but man, that sounds rough <laughs> I, i've even heard of uh of hidden compartments in the boat where they catch the fish, you know, a day or two prior and, and keep them hid. And, and, uh, it, you just, I could go on and on. There's, there's so many stories. Well, you know, you always want, you hear, uh, coroners and stuff say, get them to take a lie detector test. They do that in uh, bass fishing, right? Lie detector is the one thing that's like a prerequisite, correct? After the fishing. Uh, oh yeah, absolutely. That's, they do a lot of that, but you know, you hear the same stories, uh, same with the tire doping it that you hear all the time. Oh, they can beat that. And, and there's pills you can take that you can oh, cheat the lie detector. So I don't know. I don't. I don't know whether they can or not. I, I've taken one or two my, myself, and I've never failed one of those. And just like I've never failed a tire test, and I, I don't cheat in bass fishing, and I don't cheat my tires. So I. I guess that system's working pretty good. This weekend, the World of Outlaws invade East Tennessee, 411 on Friday night for 10,000, Saturday night at Volunteer for another 10,000. If you're in the area, get there this weekend, support Mitch McCarter, the World of Outlaws, and even some of those Lucas guys will be there, the best regional drivers in the southeast, like Shannon Buckingham. They'll even take you bass fishing during the day. There, I, I'm, offering him, I'm offering his services up during the day. <laughs> Shannon, thanks a lot, buddy. It's great to talk to you. You're a hell of an interview, and I appreciate it. Good luck this weekend, okay? Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Turn, how about that, man? I mean, there's some shady shit going on in fishing. <laughs> America got wasted over the weekend. Swab comes back to reality and much more after the break. You are dialed in to Kaiser Manufacturing's Late Model Live. Late model race in Australia. This is a really cool deal that they put on, and uh, we're just having a blast. Parking by my bud here, Ryan. Uh, it's just, it's just a really fun time. It just keeps growing, so I can't see why, why next year wouldn't be any bigger. Meanwhile, two to go, and it's all Jason Fitzgerald and Tyler Rapp. Slide job to Rapp. Can he pull it through? Yes, he can. Back to the race lead. And wins. And takes the win. Hell, I think there was what. 29, 30 cars at every show, and that, that was way better than last year. So, never know when we get back next year, there might be 50. Josh Richards in a backup car comes from the tail to win tonight at Golden Isles. Who's it going to be at the line? Oh, no! I have no idea, but it looks like Shepard won. And Brandon Shepard, your new leader. Checker flag awaits. Here comes then, but Shepard will lead his flock to the promised land. He'll win a blue shot.
Turn, I said a few weeks ago, if somebody purchased a car from Mark Martin Automotive, I'd give them a lifetime subscription to Dirt on Dirt. I might have to put my money where my mouth is from the sounds of it. We have a few folks maybe taking him up on that, which is awesome. You need a car, you need a truck, whatever it is, go to markmartinautomotive.com, or the best in the business. Now, but seriously, they're the legit best in the business, me not just saying that. Do yourself a favor if you're in the market for a car or a truck and go to markmartinautomotive.com. Turn still does not have my bouncing ball this week. Nope. Hashtag. Ha- ha- hashtag. I like, get I, I like watching you struggle. Bouncing ball. Turn, I want my bouncing <laughs> ball. I, 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 you know what? I'm gonna, we're going to sit here and, and then until I get my bouncing ball. Probably, probably not that easy. Uh, nobody's sticking around that long. So. We don't often revisit Turn's turn from the week before, but throw up your full <laughs> screen from last week. Oh, this is where you wanted that full screen. We were prepping well, for yeah, it. Oh, yeah, now you made me get rid now of it. Now I made so. you get rid of it. Turn I'll had just show a, you the tweets. Turn had a drinking game last week for the Show Me 100. This is my fault. Uh, basically trying to get America wasted. Jacob Norv reminded everybody, don't forget to play along with the drinking game. Take a drink and take a shot. Shotgun a beer for various things that James Essex would say during the live broadcast on MAV-TV. And there were some people partaking, Turn, all weekend long. So one of my favorite things, you can see it kind of small there. Uh, If Scott Bloomquist loses a wheel, you have to finish the bottle. Well, I mean... Technically, he, he technically kind he, of lost a wheel, but now, I know of. I was thinking about you. Like, yeah. how do we? How do we? He couldn't use it, so so did, that so that leads to this. Yes. So uh, so far, only two haven't happened: uh, light at the scale and a flip. Wait, Bloomquist did lose a wheel, but he's like, he's like this. This drinking game's for Saturday, right? Right. Because he didn't want to finish the bottle. Right. So. I, it was good. I like the people. I saw him chiming in all weekend, uh, wanting to wanting to partake in that, which was good. And I had like three or four people up in the sweet area, like, wait, does that count? Does that count as a lost wheel or not? So people just want to drink. That's basically it. They want an excuse yeah. to get wasted. This week we will try to avoid early onset alcoholism with turns turn. Oh, oh my! What? Wait, now, wait. I don't know. I don't. I, I. You know. Wait a minute here. What? What just? <laughs> what was that? I don't know. I have I no idea. I would like you to do it again. Look, <sighs> I would like you to do that again, please. All right. I'm. I'm. I'm a. I'm a live show director. I'm not a dancer. Ross, I mean, we Ross, all know Weiss, that. If yeah. you're out there, I'm going to need that gift, gift, <laughs> yep. whatever the hell you want to say. I'm yeah. going to need the. I'm going to need that. So. I knew that one was coming. Turn. Go ahead. Absolutely. Yeah. So this week, this week on Turn Turn. Uh, we've recently, we've been doing pretty good. We've been, uh, sticking with the theme of the show, you know, at least tying yes, it in somewhere. Yes, yes, yes. So going back to the Bloomquist Moyer debate, no, I'm not going to take on the serious debate of which one is better. Uh, but I am going to say, I'm going to pose the question to some of our staff members, you know, which career would you rather have? So I'll ask you first, and then we'll dive into, uh, all the, all the staff members and what they answered. So if you had to pick a career and you were a dirt late model driver, would you pick Scott Bloomquist's career or would you pick Billy Moyer's career? So you're career? not asking me who's better. You're asking me whose career yeah. I would take. Yep. Uh, I'll be honest about both of them for me. To me, to me, they are clearly the two best ever. I, I don't think anybody else is in the discussion. I really believe that. If I had to rank them gun to my head right now, I would put Scott one in his own category. Billy, two in his own category, and then everybody else clearly behind them. If those are the two tiers, I would do that. I know a lot of people think they'd rather have Moyer's career because six effing globes, as I've yep. said on this show many times. He's also swept the Knoxville Nationals, et cetera, et cetera. I guess probably Scott's. I think he's probably won more money, which I know you might hit on here in a little <laughs> bit. Uh, 
It's so it's it's probably Bloomquist right now, but who the hell knows? Who who the hell knows? Those guys are the two best ever. All right. So before I reveal who I'm going to pick, let's just go ahead and take a look at the full screen I made here. So we asked a couple of different people. We had Dustin Jarrett. He said Billy Moyer, and the reason he said is I want six gloves. Of course. I actually, I I'll be honest. I cleaned it up a little bit because uh, it might have said something else. But uh, Darren Kessinger said Moyer. And this one was interesting because he has six PDC titles <laughs> and course. Bloomer has zero. Derek playing to the Fairberry crowd, yeah. of course, yeah. yes. Tim Truex said Bloomquist because he said he has the better hair. I flow, mean, flow, of course, yeah. yes. Uh, Kevin Kovac, which, by the way, the answer was about three paragraphs long. Of I mean, in classic I, Kovac I, fashion, yeah, of course. Yeah, I asked for a brief explanation, and he gave me three paragraphs. So he said Bloomquist. He's won every national tour he has ran. And he is in one of the most iconic photos in dirt late model history. Absolutely. True. Getting, I mean, getting out of the car, American flag, half staff, everything. Yep, yep, yep. I get that. Todd Turner's answer I uh, just absolutely love. Moyer because of summer nationals and a soul patch. <laughs> I mean, it so, is hard to argue with those two things, too. Yeah. Uh, Ali Collis, uh, Bloomquist, seven dreams, keeping it simple. Uh, no doubt there. That's, that's a lot of I mean, money. $700,000. Yep, yep. Yes. Uh, Andy Savory says Bloomquist. His worst nights are better than everyone else's best. And he also touched on the fact that he has seven dreams and yes, and yes. he's won basically every major uh, crown jewel race out there. Robert Holman says Bloomquist seven dreams every major championship and he's still a threat to win despite his that's age. That's a little tough despite his age. Well, that's a little uh, that's okay. a little tough from Robert. There, I won't I put that on it. Robert. I won't put that on. Robert. I had to sum it up to fit it in there. I may have put the age comment in there, wow. but uh, what he actually said Fake was news. He, what he actually <laughs> says is he is still as much of a threat to win now as when uh, Robert first saw him. I think he said thirty one years wow. ago. So. Sorry, Scott. My, Despite your age, yeah, yeah. sorry. Turn, turn. <laughs> this is fake news. We're creating fake news yes. here. Dirt on dirt. So my answer. Yes. I, I'm. I'm a guy. I like. Uh, I, I like spending money. I, I spend a little too much, probably. Okay. So I'm gonna go with uh, Scott Bloomquist. Just, just because of the money. I know, you know. I don't know the exact exact totals of the Andy's of his wor- winnings. Andy's working on that. Yeah, by the way. that so, might be down the road, but he's working on that. So there's a plug for that. I'm sure somewhere down the road, uh, Andy Savory working on that. But I mean, just the amount of money that he's won. I mean, in the Seven Dreams alone, he's at seven hundred thousand dollars just in that one one race. So. Uh, I got to go with that. In my uh, in my comment on our communication system, all I put was Scott Bloomquist with a couple of dollar signs because, I mean, we money are, money talks, man. <coughs> Scott, we apologize again for turn <laughs> insulting your age. Billy's actually older, so you could have done that too. I think Derek Kessinger thought for sure he was going to come out of the Show Me 100 turn at a commanding seven and three after his Jonathan Davenport pick. But he not only not only did that not happen, JD scolded Suave afterwards and said. Please stop picking me. Every time you do, I lose. So he lost a friend also. J.D. and Suave no longer friends. Six and four is still good. Let's see if he softballs it this week or if he goes with the World of Outlaws. Let's see what he does. Suave's Lock of the Week. Suave's Lock of the Week. As the old saying goes, all good things must come to an end. After nine years of trying, Scott Bloomquist finally a Show Me 100 winner at Lucas Oil Speedway. After Jonathan Davenport failed to win the Show Me 100. Don't worry, JD. We are still besties, and I forgive you. My record falls to six and four, but never fear, D-Suave Nation. I'm not worried one bit. 
The show is over. This weekend, I'm taking my talents to the land of Lincoln for the Mars weekend at Tri-City in Fayette County. Should be a great field with the state's best duking it out. Give me the squirrel, Brian Shirley, to win at least once this weekend. My logic is simple. He's on a heater, and so will I after he picks up the dub this weekend. And that's Suave's Lock of the Week. It's such an awesome day. New year, but the same old swap. So give me the green light. Cause I'm ready to go. I love watching him in anguish. Suave, he is now 6-4. and four. And turn, look at this. We met the guy who will be performing the tattoo this weekend. His name is Dan Bailey. He called into the show. This is a picture of me, Suave, and him up uh, upstairs at Wheatland. I don't know, turn, I'd be a little nervous if I were you that he's getting chummy with the tattoo guy a little bit. Thoughts on that? Uh, I mean... Swab's, Swab's chummy with everybody. Though. That is Swab, actually a really Swab good is friends point. with everybody, so uh, I'm not uh, I'm not too worried that's, yet. That's a good point. We will have more after the break. The Hell Tour is right around the corner, and I think we're going to see the best field we've had in a few years. That is my prediction. Final break, and then final segment coming up after this. by champions. Bloomquist wins the dirt late monitoring. Stronger, lighter, and safer drive shafts than steel and aluminum. Extremely durable for worry-free performance. Proven in countless major events and crown jewel wins. Made in-house for late models, crates, and modifieds right here in the USA. Drive shafts, rod ends, ball joints, and shocks. QA1 does it all, and they do it well. Visit QA1.net. My first trip to Bulls Gap, I got to thinking about this. I was junior high, so handsome turn back then. You've seen photos. Uh-huh. It was their race in early March. It was so cold when we got there. There was snow on the racetrack. And the new sort of uh, what looks like you know metal steel wall that they have in three and four, that was laying on the racetrack two days before. God, we were crazy. We got there two days before the event. <laughs> we got there two days before the race. That wall was laying with snow on it. They had to get that into the ground. Somehow they did. This was back in, oh, geez, 94, 95, oh 96, somewhere in there. They got it up. Freddie Smith won the race, and uh, Bulls Gap and I have had a good relationship ever since that point. Uh, but interesting, I just thought I'd bring that Bulls Gap story up before the Outlaws head there this weekend. Let's finish this stroke. Take two. Take two. Let's <laughs> finish this show strong. Who wrote that line, by the way? <laughs> finish this show strong with five to go. 
number five. These races were going to be solid anyways, but now they're with LaSalle canceling. They're about to be really good. The Mars Series rolls in Illinois for two good ones at Tri-City on Friday and Fayette County on Saturday, both 3,000 to win. I'd expect we see Brian Shirley, Shannon Babb, maybe a Jason Fager, or Ryan Unzicker, and more at these races. I think Shirley rides his hot streak and wins at least one of these while Babb gets the other. There will be a good car count and good racing for Mars at Tri-City and Fayette County. Friday and Saturday. Number four, the headline class at Tyler County this weekend will be the mods for their 15,000 to win Mega 100, but don't sleep on the late models. ULMS series, 3,000 Friday, 5,000 Saturday. By a lot of accounts, this past weekend's racing at Tyler County, some of the best at the bull ring in a long time. Hopefully that carries over to the mods and the late model Saturday. Derek Dahl won this past weekend. He'll be tough, but I got Tim Dome. You don't pick it. You'll pick against the Domer two weeks in a row. Number three, there are three races that pay 10000 to win this weekend. Two of them are for the World of Outlaws, and the other is the Wasoda Challenge Series at Huron for 10K as well on Saturday. But that's only half the story at Huron. Thursday night, it's 5000 to win. They take a day off, and they roll back with 10K on Saturday. Last year, you may recall, Don Shaw swept this weekend as he started his breakout campaign of 2017. We already know he had a good year to start this season. Shaw gets at least one, if not both, in Huron. Number two, nice little double dip for the Ultimate Series this weekend in the Kakalakis of Carolina. First on Friday, they co-sanction a race with the Carolina Clash at Carolina Speedway. Then Saturday, they go at Solo in South Carolina at Lancaster. This isn't a weekend for the faint of the motor heart. Both of these places put those horses to the test. Zach Mitchell gets one, Tyler Millwood the other. And number one, Comp Camps has their biggest weekend of the year on tap in the natural state of Arkansas. Friday at Crowley's Ridge in Paragold for three grand. Then their highest paying standalone race of the year, Tracy Clay's I-30 on Saturday. 5000 to win for the Rockabilly 45. Good luck to the Clay family. I like Moyer Jr. for one. Jack Sullivan for the other. You pick the order at home. I don't care. That was five to go. Turn also wanted to throw in there. This is normally the time, and it's kind of a bummer. We'd be out covering the Appalachian Mountain Speed Weeks Tour. It, of course, isn't happening this year, but the pseudo-replacement to it, a little bit smaller scale, the Tri-Track Challenge in a similar geographic space from Kurt Smith and those guys. That's 3,000 to win at Bedford and Port Royal this weekend. We'll have highlights of both. Brownstown, Indiana, and 201 also have 3,000s to win this weekend. Not a ton of five-figure shows, but plenty of four-figure races this weekend. Turn, what do we have coverage-wise this weekend? Well, we have a lot more uh, lot more going on this weekend, just like last weekend. Uh, Outlaws at 411, Outlaws at Volunteer, which we previewed, Mars at Tri-City, and Fayette County. Uh, we also have Clash Ultimate Series at Carolina, ULMS at Tyler County, U-Bob at U-Bob. Brownstown. That's one of my favorite ones. U-Bob! Unsanctioned at Bedford and unsanctioned at Port Royal. There's going to be more, too. Stateline rescheduled their 8,000 to win this weekend. We will likely have that. Uh, those comp cams races are also a possibility. What makes it tough this time of year is everything is being rescheduled and shuffled, uh, so we're sending shooters to all corners of the country. So uh, bear with us with the hurricane bearing down. We're, uh, we're doing our best to get it all covered. Turn pay-per-views coming up as well. The dream right around the corner. The $100,000 to win Dirt Late Model Dream live every single lap at DirtOnDirt.com Thursday, Friday, Saturday with JB Roger and the gang at EldoraSpeedway.com. We will have the dream live. I think the fifth year in a row now. Firecracker booked my flight today. Turn late June. I will turn. The boss is going to be there. Yeah, I know. You're uh, not riding out with me and uh, I mean, me and Kane taking the trailer. Obviously not. You've got to get to work. Turn him, Okay, guys, turn him Memorial Day weekend off. I don't want to say it at home. 
long weekend. Everybody in the office is a little sour at him right now yeah, about yeah. it. So anyway, Firecracker Live, three big days, World of Outlaws. Lucas is off. Going to be a huge show. And then that July swing turn, let's preview it again. Brown County on a Tuesday. Jackson, Minnesota on a Wednesday. And then three ginormous days of the Silver Dollar Nationals. Five nights in a row of Lucas Oil action. Live, 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 live. I had to count them at Dirt on Dirt. Dot com turn. It is a busy time coming up. We're about you. You feeling it? Turn. We're about to get yeah, there. Yeah, I'm. I'm ready for summer. I'm ready to be at a racetrack more often. Here. I agree. Uh, don't forget the Show Me 100. Now I wanted to clear my Show Me 100 notebook from Kevin Kovac. Uh, Kevin Kovac's Inside Dirt Late Model Racing column this week. Check it out. Tons and tons of Show Me 100 notes. He's got a million good things, notes, nuggets, tidbits that only Kevin Kovac can get. Don't forget Inside Dirt Late Model Racing this week. Lead story on Brian Shirley, and check out those 10 things worth mentioning. Summer Nationals are j- turned. Summer Nationals are 13, they're f- turned, they're 15 days away. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> Hell to her, baby. 15 <laughs> days till the Summer Nationals that basically made dirt on dirt 11 years ago. Weekly point funds are back. 2,000 to win every week. FK Rod ends. Dirt on Dirt sponsors won. Um, uh, Hoosier Tire Midwest. Just a, a great group of people making those for $5,000 happen each week. Two grand to win. 1,000 for second each week. It'll be very cool. Who's running it? Bab, Shirley, Fager, Unzicker, Hoffman, just to name a few. Rusty Schlank. It's going to be a fun group for 20-plus nights on the Summer Nationals. I'm really looking forward to that. And that's a lot of good news. There's also some sad news in the world of dirt late model racing today. Two, two losses uh, that we experienced today that are really sad. Johnny Wheeler, of course, longtime dirt late model veteran in and around that Kentucky area. I saw Johnny race many times. Didn't know him that well personally, but he's a guy that touched a lot of late model racing lives, battled the Bluegrass Tour, all that stuff. Uh, lost Johnny today unexpectedly too soon in, in his 50s, and we hated to hear that. And, of course, Sandy Holt, the longtime girlfriend of Rick Eshelman, the World of Outlaws announcer, uh, succumbed to her battle with cancer this week as well. Uh, we hated to hear that for Sandy, and, and our thoughts and prayers go out to Rick and everybody down there in Alabama and his family. Sandy was one of the greatest ladies in our sport, always willing to help with everything, whether it was a lineup or, or anything that we needed. Sandy was always super helpful. So to the families of Johnny and Sandy, uh, we're thinking about you guys. And uh, we're really sorry for everything you're going through this week. A Late Model Live heads up. We are currently in our longest stretch of shows the entire year, four in a row. Next week will be our full dream preview. The week after the dream will be our dream recap. And then we take our summer break. We step away from Late Model Live for the summer and return somewhere around the Prairie Dirt Classic or the USA Nationals in August to be determined on that yet as our guys scatter to the wind all summer long with the Hell Tour and other things. Crisscrossing America bringing you all the coverage. Let's hope the rain holds out this weekend. It is, it's 50-50 right now in some places. We deserve to have one clean weekend. For Derek Kessinger, for Michael Reiners, everybody here at DirtOnDirt.com, good luck to everybody this weekend, and we'll see you right back here, full Dirt Late Model Dream Preview next Tuesday.